Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. We shared last week that everybody needs to earn an instrument rating. Today we're going to talk about how to go beyond the ACS in that instrument rating. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com and you are listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to check it out. Honestly, I want you to take a free two week, no strings attached trial of that ground school, M0A trial com to check it out and learn more. Just would be honored to have you as a part of our Tuesday afternoon webinars, just spending time. Uh, it's not just here's a course and good luck. It is the mentorship. It is the community. There's such an aspect to it. Only a, only a ground school member could explain to you what it's actually like um, in there, but um, we just create fans for life through there, and it's an uh, outstanding, outstanding community uh, that the that the M0A Nation has created. We didn't have anything to do with it. We just made some great videos uh, and the M0A Nation took it from there. M0Atrial.com if you wanna check that out and learn more. Today I wanna chat with you for the Instrument Pilot Podcast. Last week, I encouraged everybody on the Private Pilot Podcast that you need to become an instrument rated pilot. I believe I ended it by saying there's no better way to keep yourself safe, your spouse, your son, your daughter, your um, best friend, whomever that may be that you fly with, brother, sister, to keep them, your co-pilots, safer than earning an instrument rating. Not just earning it though, earning it and abiding by it. Just because I've earned my instrument doesn't mean I go blazing through thunderstorms, I go shooting down to minimums, it doesn't mean any of those things. You all know me, and you know that even with my instrument rating and CFII and all ATP and all these different things I have, it doesn't intrigue me one bit to go flying in 2-3 Mike Zulu down to minimums. It doesn't intrigue me one bit. I will do it on the very rarest of occasions, usually for a video, usually with another pilot, and usually with what you don't see is all the prep behind the scenes of a lot of instrument approaches just to get at that level to be able to deliver it. And you'll notice that. You'll see I'm not paying attention to the cameras. I am just focused on flying this approach. And there's the most recent one was probably, uh, it wasn't even to minimums, but flying into Hayward, um, um, out in, or leaving Hayward, I'm sorry, flying into Livermore, California, uh, for the AOPA flying with Wayne. Again, great, actually Wayne did all the flying. I got to, I got to just talk, and Wayne did a phenomenal job with that. But I want to share today a little bit uh, on how we can go beyond the ACS. Remember the ACS, Airman Certification Standards? I had a checkride examiner explain it to me once. He was in reference to the PTS, but it's still the same, uh, the, or the truth is still the same, even though it's now the ACS, is that the ACS is the worst you can do and still become a pilot. It's the absolute worst you can do and still become a pilot. You know, when you when you say it that way, it's not uh, it's not very intriguing, is it? You go, wow, no one no one wants to get a seventy percent on their written test, do they? <laughs> that does not intrigue me um, in the least bit. Would you go up to your passengers and go, hey, I did just enough to get by? Do you want to go fly in the clouds with me? I don't think they're going to end up saying yes to that proposition here. So how do we go beyond the ACS? Well, I am going to. Uh, I'm gonna offend or upset a few people 
uh, to start <laughs> with this, but um, if you've been following M0A for a while, you know my opinion on this. I am not the biggest fan of accelerated courses. Let me explain before anybody who owns or is alumni of an accelerated course posts a bunch of a bunch of mean comments. And I read every comment, by the way, good, bad, ugly, and we I take each of them. Some, some with a with a grain of salt, and some I like the good constructive comments. Nasty ones I don't care for very much, but um, I, I like the good constructive comments. So if you if you disagree with this, please you can leave a good constructive comment. That's not going to break my heart. I am not the biggest fan of accelerated courses. Allow me to elaborate. I believe that in some, not all, but in some accelerated courses, you are studying and prepared to do one thing, which is pass that check ride. Oftentimes, in my experience with accelerated courses, again, this isn't a, a general statement. This is my experience with some accelerated courses. You live your life in a bubble. You fly in somewhere perfect like Arizona where there's never any clouds. Um, everything is always flawless. You're there for two weeks. You fly every day. It's rote memorization. It's study, study, study. It's these are the approaches you're going to shoot um, on your check ride. Oh, by the way, here's the examiner. The examiner always asks this. It's almost like you have a gouge for things. Um, they are prepping you to do one thing, which is pass the check ride. And here's where the fear comes in. There's, there's, Nothing wrong with that. You get the check ride passed. And, and obviously you were two ACS guidelines, albeit maybe just barely, I don't know. Then you come back home from Arizona to a place like Florida, where we get nasty afternoon thunderstorms and towering cumulonimbus clouds and, and terrible radiation fog in the early morning and, and late evenings sometimes. And you think that just because you have your instant rating, you can go shooting approaches down to minimums. And that is not the truth. Now, I realize there is very much a place for accelerated courses. Accelerated courses should not go anywhere. I believe there's a place for them. Let me tell you what I believe is the place for an accelerated course like an IFR course. I said last week in the private pilot course, I believe everybody should have their instrument rating. You may say to me, Jason, I'm a, uh, I'm a, a father. I'm a mother of five. I work a full-time nine to five job. I come home, then it's full-time parent. It is everything I can do just to get all five kids fed and in bed and up for school the next morning. There is no time for flight training, but I know I need my instant rating because the, the, the one weekend a month that I am able to fly, I want to be that much safer. And I look at that person and say, I, I get it. I understand. Take your two weeks off that you get from your job or whatever it may be, and yes, if you want to commit it to aviation, I am all about that. Go commit it, go knock out your accelerated course, get your instrument. However, I have one very strong stipulation. When you come back, you don't go flying in actual conditions. You don't even really file an instrument flight plan for that matter, unless you have a CFI on board. You come back and you need to do three or four actual IFR lessons with the CFII back home, in the airplane you're gonna be flying in, etc. I'm okay with an accelerated course if that is your life circumstances or, or something similar, and you just need to get it done because you want it to make you a safer pilot. As long as you come back and realize you're gonna need some extra, some remedial training perhaps, just because you have the certificate in your hand doesn't mean you can go flying in the clouds and flying in thunderstorms. Do you understand? Uh, maybe I'm just being like a like too much of a parent at this point, but that's 
That's my opinion. We're all allowed to have an opinion, right? Again, if, if you disagree, leave me a comment below. I'm, I'm, I am open to hearing that because I, I'm not saying don't do accelerated courses. I'm saying there's a place for accelerated courses. It is just not my preference. Again, my professional opinion. Because what I ultimately want you to do is I want you to get out there. I want you to get real world training. It's not just shooting three approaches into your home airport and calling it a day. That's not real world. I said in the private podcast last week, it's not just flying out to the practice area doing steep turn slow flight stalls and coming back because you're not going to do that in the real world. In the real world, it's you and the spouse and the family pet and you're going to the lake house or whatever it is, the mountain house, or you're just flying for vacation. That's what you do in the real world. Into new airports, over new terrain, seeing new people, new FBOs, possibly a new rental airplane if, you're, if you rent or fly in a club. That's what I want you to prep for. That's what I want you to focus on is the real world applicability of this. So remember, you need 50 hours of PIC cross country time to even take your instrument check ride. Now I want you to earn some of that beforehand as I, I shared last week on the private pod podcast. It's advantageous to earn maybe about half of that beforehand before you start your training. Earn the rest in your instrument training. Don't do just the minimum IFR cross-country. Do everything. I, I want you to fly real cross-countries above and beyond. Where are the destinations you are going to go? Maybe the grandkids live in Tennessee and you live in Florida. It's, a, it's not a bad little hike up there. Why don't you make the hike up there? Make the little day trip up there, have lunch with the grandkids, and you and your CFI head home. It's a whole day. But you know what? Block it with your CFI, compensate them accordingly for their time, and all is good. And you've now tested a real flight that you're going to be making with your family in the future. That's awesome. That's, that's the kind of real-world applicability I want you to get out of an instrument rating and in your instrument training here. Make your lessons across country if you don't have those 50 hours yet and get and earn that real-world training. Two more little things, and then I'll let you go. Simulated versus actual time. I did my entire instrument rating having never stuck my head in the clouds. It's em embarrassing to admit. But you know, if you've, if you've flown in actual IFR conditions, there is such a difference between being under the hood or under the foggles and actually being in real IFR conditions. It is night and day different. I encourage you with your CFII to earn some actual instrument flight time because there's bumps and, and, and everything else that goes along with flying through a little cumulus layer. Or there's just the, the immersion of flying through a nice stable stratus layer as well and seeing that beautiful runway break out in front of you. It's, it, that, that is a rewarding feeling. Anybody who's ever done that, you break out around 600 feet and there's the runway, there's the lights, like, whoa, this instrument flying stuff is cool. This makes sense now. This is what this is all about. Keeps you energized and excited too. Get some actual time. Don't shy away from days that have actual IFR conditions, obviously unless there's icing, thunderstorms. If, if you cannot, you cannot. But a nice stable stratus day where the freezing level's nice and high, I'm all about a day like that as long as I can break out well before uh, the minimums, six, 700 feet or so nowadays. Lastly, I want this. In your IFR training, if you really want to take your training beyond the ACS, try to stay in the same airplane. Let me explain. 
You know from your early instrument lessons, if you've done, or just think back to your private pilot training, how easy it is to fall behind the airplane, isn't it? It's so easy to fall behind the airplane. And when you fall behind the airplane, going through the sky at 90 knots, in IFR conditions, it's even harder to catch up. Little things like you could fly from R172 to our Cessna 150, and one the tachometers here and the other the tachometers here. They fly a little different. They're different tail numbers. This is gonna, you're gonna think I'm losing it now, but listen. Even something as simple as a tail number change is enough to throw you off two or three seconds. Oh, I was listening for 2-3 Mike Zulu, but it was 512 Romeo, or it was 512 Mike Zulu, whatever it is. Listening and keying into a different tail number, trying to listen for a new tail number. Was that for me? You ever said that? A new tail number can throw things like that off as well. It would benefit you greatly to fly the same airplane, if you can, through all your instrument training. This is actually, when people say they want to buy an airplane, I say this is one of the best times to buy an airplane. I'm not talking economically, because I don't know when you're watching this. I'm talking about in your flight training. In your flight training, private pilot rent an airplane as much as you can. Because think about it, you beat the snot out of that airplane, didn't you? You had hard landings, you probably flat spotted tires, you you know uh, burned out a brake pad, you did all sorts of things that you wouldn't want to do to an airplane that you own, right? You leaned it out too much, you, uh, you checked the mags, accidentally went to off for a little bit too long, a lot of things you could have done that just slowly erode at that poor airplane. Beat up someone else's airplane. Then for instrument, I would encourage you to think about purchasing an airplane. Because learning in the airplane that you're actually going to fly IFR in, that you're actually going to put the spouse and the kids in, that is, that's advantageous. Because you're learning on the platform you're going to actually get out there and perform in. And that is important to me. So again, always strive to go beyond the ACS. The ACS is just the minimum. It's the worst you can do and still become an instrument rated pilot. And an instrument flying and just in aviation in general, nobody wants to do just enough to get by. Trust me. I hope you're really enjoying this. Don't hesitate to go back, listen to the Private Pot podcast, listen ahead to the commercial or the CFI podcast as well. We produce all four of these podcasts, one each week for you all to fulfill that mission of making you a safer, smarter pilot. So if there's anything, anything at all we can do this week to help fulfill that mission of making you that safer, smarter pilot, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.